the topic of my sermon today is, can I eat a cheeseburger? You know, I know most of you are wondering, am I in the right place? Why are we talking about food? Um, you know, isn't, aren't we going to open the Bible? Aren't we in a series of Deuteronomy? So why is the topic, can I eat a cheeseburger? Just a show of hands, how many of you um, sort of can guess why I chose this topic, can I eat a cheeseburger? Anybody knows? Uh, besides you, babe. Anybody else knows? If you're online, you know, maybe type it on a chat group just to see whether you, anybody knows uh, why I chose this topic, can I eat a cheeseburger? You know, when Pastor Chu told me that, you know, Kim, you're going to have to preach this weekend, and I'm giving you Deuteronomy 14 and 15, I was like, oh, sweat, sweat. Because if you actually look at Deuteronomy 14 and 15, it's got all the unusual laws, all the funny laws that we don't talk about these days. And I was like, why? Why give me such a difficult topic? Um, but you know what? Even as I, um, you know, I prayed about it, and somehow I don't know why this topic uh, stuck to me. Can I eat a cheeseburger? And incidentally, do you guys know that today, 28 May, is uh, International Burger Day? I didn't know. Like, I just found out like an hour before. Someone asked me, oh, are you preaching this because today is International uh, Burgers Day? I was like, is there even such thing? Well, apparently there's such thing. Don't believe me. Google after the service. Today is International Burgers Day. It just so happens that's the topic of my sermon. And I feel so affirmed by God, you know, because initially I was like, should I go to this direction? Should I use this topic for my sermon? And I just feel as if God is saying, yes, you know, this is the right topic to preach. So praise God. I stuck to this topic. Um, and so I will be talking about can I eat a cheeseburger, all right? So that's the topic of my sermon, and I will explain as we go on, okay? So hold your horses. So I'm just going to give you a little context of um, Deuteronomy 14 and 15. Um, Deuteronomy 14, 15 is where Moses is giving his second address to the Jewish people before they enter the promised land. Like, so before that, just before Deuteronomy 14, he was talking about the Ten Commandments, and then he goes on to explain about the Ten Commandments and all the related laws. And then he lands on Deuteronomy 14 and 15, and then he talks about other laws. Some of the laws that we read, and then, you know, we read the Bible, and then this is the part where you read the Bible, and then you kind of skip the pages real quick. Uh, this is the place where people skip the, the pages really quickly, because if you look at it, Deuteronomy 14, um, it actually talks about um, morning rituals, um, meaning like what you should not do uh, for the dead. Don't shave the front of your head. Uh, don't uh, cut yourselves. So those are the things that he talks about. It also talks about a whole chunk about it is about what you can eat or what you cannot eat, you know? And then after that, you have a whole topic about tithing. That's in Deuteronomy 14. We move to Deuteronomy 15, and then it talks about your debts, what should you do with them. It talks about what do you do with slaves, you know? And then it talks about your firstborn. So when you look at Deuteronomy 14 and 15, you kind of go like, you know what? Not sure if most of this applies to me today. Probably the only thing that we feel might apply to us is maybe tithing. Like, you know, none of us have slaves or anything like that, right? So some of us feel like, oh, you know, you know what is this whole Deuteronomy 14 and 15 all about? But today, as you can tell, based on my topic, 
It's got to do with food, right? Cheeseburger, food. So I am actually just going to zero in about the, the, the rituals about uh, our diet, okay? Um, this is verse uh, 3, all the way to 21. I'm going to zero in on it. And actually, um, Pastor Chu asked me, why don't you talk about tithing instead? And I was like, oh no, Pastor Chu, the best person to talk about tithing is Elder Kuntat. You know, he's really good at it. And in fact, um, we just had our DNA plus today, and uh, Elder Kuntat gave a wonderful topic about what stewardship is, what tithing is, and whether tithing is still applicable to you today. So if, none of, if any of you have never heard the topic about tithing, I really encourage you to sign up for DNA Plus to hear more about topic on tithing. So I won't be talking about tithing, I will really focus just on the dietary laws. So the topic of my sermon today is, can I eat a cheeseburger? And I'm going to divide my sermon into three parts. The first one is, what truly matters? The second part, why does it matter? And the third part, which is, how can I then live a life that matters? Um, so I'm going to get everyone to turn to Deuteronomy 14 in your Bible right now, and I'm going to make you read uh, portions of Scripture. Are you all there? Deuteronomy 14. Now I'm going to flash it out on the screen. Um, I'm not going to make you read the whole Deuteronomy 14. It's really long. So I'm going to cut certain portions. I'm just going to make you read. Um, maybe we'll start with Deuteronomy 14, verse 1 to 4, okay? Everybody there in your Bible, uh, your phone, your smartphone? Okay, we're going to read. Let's read together, okay? Let's read Deuteronomy 14, verse 1 to 4 together. One, two, three. You are the children of the Lord your God. Do not cut yourselves or shave the front of your heads for the dead. For you are a people holy to the Lord your God. Out of all the peoples on the face of the earth, the Lord has chosen you to be his treasured possession. We're going to continue. It says, Do not eat any detestable things. These are the animals you may eat. Dot, dot, dot. Now, I'm not going to make you read that whole portion because there's a lot of it. There's like 19 verses there. And then it ends with verse 29, 21. Do not cook a young goat in its mother's milk. Do not cook a young goat in its mother's milk. And, and it, that it ends there. The Deuteronomy dietary law ends there. And I was like, wow, what a way to end a, 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 a train of thought, right? Um, but that's what happens. So can I eat a cheeseburger? And you're wondering, how does this affect my faith? What has it got to do with anything? Well, um, why cheeseburger? Because do you know that today, observing Jews are not allowed to eat cheeseburger? How many of you knew that? Jews, oh, Bill knows, great. We are not, okay, my husband knows too. Jews do not eat cheeseburger. Why, why, why can't they eat cheeseburger? Is this like foreign to you guys? Like, you know, why, why can't they eat cheeseburger? What is wrong with cheeseburger? So maybe some of you are thinking, maybe it's the calories. Um, yeah, why can't they eat cheeseburger? You know, what kind of meat do they use? Maybe it's not kosher. Why? Why can't they eat cheeseburger? Why specifically cheeseburger? Well, um, the fact is they can't eat cheeseburger because of this one verse that you see in Deuteronomy 14 verse 21, which is what you just read. It says, do not cook a young goat in its mother's milk. 
Like I know you're like thinking, what, what, what has that got to do? The reason why the Jews can't eat cheeseburgers is because it contains meat and it contains dairy. Meat and cheese. And they say, based on verse 14 to 21, it says that you cannot mix meat and dairy. So the Jews actually can't take meat and dairy together. If you will go to Israel, you'll notice that, you know, for breakfast, they only serve milk and stuff. You won't see meat. And then, you know, this is such a big topic for the Jews today. So much so that there are so many debates about like, okay, if I were to drink milk, how many more hours do I have to wait before I can eat my meat? And, and there's so many debates and to the point where they're like, um, you know, what about can I eat chicken and egg together if I go on the same principle, right? So the principle that the Jews understand from this verse is that you do not want to mix meat and milk. And, you know, scholars have been debating uh, from the very beginning all the way to now about what does this verse really mean? Actually, this verse is repeated twice in Exodus as well. And we're wondering, what does this mean? But most scholars believe that this is actually um, to, to, to mean that, you know, you know, the milk is what gives nourishment to the, to the goat, the young goat, right? So don't use what is uh, a blessing and, and turn it into something that will destroy it instead, right? So that's the basis of what scholars say this verse is for. So for us, it's like, no big deal, lah. we can eat cheeseburger, right? But for the Jews... This is serious matter, all right? It's, it's no plaything. It's a serious matter. And, and Jews, they consider what they cannot eat. Um, they, they, if they can't eat that, they say the food is not kosher. So I'm sure most of you, you live in Malaysia, you hear the word uh, halal. So for the Jews, it's kosher. So it's not exactly the same laws, but you get the idea. Kosher means you can't eat, etc. So a cheeseburger is not kosher to the Jews, okay? So does this apply to us today? I mean, the Jews, the practicing Jews are still observing it up to this very day. Does this apply to us today? You know, when you see the Deuteronomy dietary laws, you must understand it was specifically given to the children of Israel at a specific time because they were about to go into the land, uh, the new land that they would be given, the promised land, and there will be lots of pagan nations around them. And this Jewish people, you know, they were a slave nation. So before that, they didn't have any identity. They were in Egypt. They eat anything. You know, they're slaves, right? They don't, they don't really have a choice of what to eat. So they eat anything and everything. But you know, God says, you know, I'm going to make you into a nation. I'm going to form you. I'm going to give you an identity and a culture. And these are the laws that I'm going to give you to give you an identity. And, and how many of you, you know, when you, when you see food, like, you know, the one that I'm flashing up right now, you see nasi lemak, or if you were overseas and you, someone tells you, you know what, I'm craving for nasi lemak, or I feel like eating rot roti canai now, or I feel like having a chakwetel, immediately you will say, oh, that person is Malaysian. So, so food has, in some ways, kind of represent the culture that we belong to. And so for the Jews, um, at that time, that they, they need to follow these strict dietary laws. But it was specific to them at that specific time. And why do I say this? You see, from the very beginning in, in Genesis, right from Genesis when God was forming the earth and everything, He actually told Adam, I give you everything, everything. There's no prohibition on food. And even after the flood, again, in Genesis 9.3, He says here, this is 
God telling Noah after the flood, everything that lives and moves about will be food for you. Just as I gave you the green plants, I now give you everything. So from the very beginning, there wasn't all these funny prohibitions that, you know, God said, I gave you everything. And he said this twice in Genesis 1, and he says it again in Genesis 9. And this is where Deuteronomy 14 comes in, which is specific for that time where he says, okay, these are the type of food you can eat. This is the type of food you cannot eat. And if you go home and read it, you know, it goes to true good details, like you cannot eat flying insects. And I'm like thinking, yeah, even if you didn't tell me, I don't want to eat flying insects. It says you cannot eat bats, you cannot eat like owls or something like that. So there's a whole long list of what you can and cannot eat. But you know, Jesus came, hallelujah. And Jesus then tells the people in Mark 7, verse 18 to 19, he says, don't you see that nothing that enters a person from the outside can defile them? For it doesn't go into their heart, but into their stomach and then out of the body. In saying this, Jesus declared all foods clean. Everybody said, hallelujah, I can eat a cheeseburger, right? Otherwise, you know, my diet is going to be stuck to a certain uh, amount of food, right? And it's not just Jesus who said that. Um, the Apostle Paul, the Apostle Peter also talks about the fact that, you know, uh, there is no longer these laws apply anymore. So the Bible is filled with things that, that when God commands certain things, sometimes it's just for that particular season or that time due to the circumstances. In fact, just to prove a point, uh, even the prophet Daniel, uh, when he was exiled to Babylon, he actually said this uh, in Daniel 1 verse 12. He says, Let us be given only vegetables to eat and water to drink. Wow. Does that mean that the Bible is advocating that we all become vegetarians? If that is so, I will be like very miserable. You know, my husband is saying hallelujah because he loves salad. But praise the Lord, it was just for that season. Because Prophet Daniel was in the land of Babylon, a pagan nation, and he did not want to be defiled by eating the food in Babylon. And so it was just for that season that he says, I'm going to be vegetarian and all I'm going to do is drink water. So... This means that, yes, these dietary laws were only specific for the Jews at that specific time, and so you can safely eat a cheeseburger today. So then you ask me, okay, we talk so much about this. So, so how is this important to me? How does this refer or relate to me today? Why does God take like so many verses to explain, you know, what you cannot, cannot eat? Why is the Bible so particular about, oh, you cannot cut yourself, uh, you cannot shave the front of your head? And like thinking some people, you know, they don't have a choice. It's not like they intentionally want to shave the front of their head. They just have no hair in the front of their head for some reason. So, you know, and why is the Bible so particular about all these things? And I realize it's for one thing. It's because God wants us to be set apart. God wants His people to be set apart. And that is what mattered to God. So I know when you're reading it and you're like, you know, all these rules, don't eat animals, don't cut your bodies, all these things, um, don't, don't do all these things. And you're, sometimes we get lost in all the details. But try to see what is the main point and why God put it there. And you will realize that in Deuteronomy 14, it starts off with verse 2, 
and it's sandwiched. The dietary laws are sandwiched between these two verses, which is, for you are a people holy to the Lord your God. He says it in verse 2, and then he goes on to talk about all the things you can eat or cannot eat, and then he ends the last part by saying, for you are a people holy to the Lord. Because that is the main point he wanted to get. He wanted to tell you that you need to be holy. You need to be set apart. So don't get lost in between. Remember, the main thing he wanted was for his people to be set apart. And even though the dietary food laws do not apply to us today, but God's dream and God's passion for us to be holy and set apart is still relevant up to today. It doesn't end there. God still demands for us to be holy and set apart. And you know, most of us, we think holy, set apart. You know, the first thought we think holy, we think, ah, oh, Pastor Li Chu, she pray a lot, very holy. Or we think of even, you know, who do you have in our mind? Who is holy? And a lot of times, when we say someone is holy, we think, oh, this person uh, must go to church a lot, uh, always in prayer altar, uh, read scripture, wow, can just, you know, memorize all scripture, and just anything you ask them, they, they can memorize scripture. And we, we sort of have this image about what it means to be holy. And you know, I was thinking, yeah, you know, God, if you want to say holy, be holy, what, why do you bring in food laws? Why, why don't you just say, oh, y'all should sacrifice in the tabernacle more often, uh, y'all should give your tithes more often. Why, why does he talk about food? You know, of all things, food is so not like, not something that we think about that is holy, right? We always just think about like holy things like the rituals, our Christian practices and our disciplines. And, and I realize it's because God wants us to be set apart in our everyday life. If you look at Deuteronomy 14 and 15, you will notice that all these laws that were given is like our everyday thing. How, what you eat, how do you look when you mourn, how do you spend the, your, your, your produce that you've got, your tithing, how do you, how do you spend your... How do you, pay off your debts, how do you treat your slaves, your employees, how do you treat your firstborn animals. All these are your normal daily living things that happens to the Jews. And this is where God is saying, I'm telling you, to be set apart has got to do with your daily life. That you need to be set apart in every aspect of our life. In not just our spiritual exercise, in not just our spiritual works, but it needs to be in our lifestyle. And you know, a lot of Christians, we have our lifestyle. We have us. And then we have Jesus as an add-on. So we continue with our lives. And then we have more Jesus. Then the more Jesus we have, the more holy we are. But that's not how it is. Sometimes we compartmentalize our faith. Christianity should, you know, the, the, the beliefs of Christ, the teachings of Christ should envelope our entire being. Not just when we come to church or when we are having some religious uh, activity, but it should be our entire lifestyle, which means when you eat, when you sleep, what you wear, um, when you talk to your friends, when you go to school, when you finish your homework, all those things, when you parent, all those things, Jesus should be center. We should still be set apart in all those things. You know, I, I didn't address the first two parts where it talks about um, appearances and looks, right? It talks about how... So a lot of people always say, hey, don't judge me lah, because God only judges what's inside my heart. You know, God knows my heart. But do you know that looks and how we carry ourselves matter? 
because we are carrying ourselves and presenting to the world who Jesus is. So sometimes we think, oh, you know, some people, they go to church, they're very holy, and then they go back to work. And then people look at them and they're like, they're so not like Christian. How come? Why so different? It's because sometimes we, we, we separate our belief system and what we do in our normal daily thing, like eating, and when we're chilling at home, and all those things. And so God is saying that when you want to be set apart, it needs to be in every aspect of your life. Amen? So what truly matters? I just want you to have a look at all this. There are lots of questions here, and I'm not sure, maybe some of you, you have asked this question before. You know, there's so many questions here. Can I get a tattoo? Can I wear a bikini? Can I get plastic surgery? Uh, you know, there's so many questions. Just have a look. And a lot of us ask these questions. And, and these are earnest questions because, you know, we want to please God. We want to do what, right, what is right. But a lot of these that they say, a lot of it, you can't find God saying, thou shall not wear a bikini or thou shall not, you know, play video games or, or you, thou shall not wear ripped jeans. A lot of it is not in the Bible. And some of us, we're like, hiya, if only the Bible would spell it out clearly, uh, then I won't do all these things. But you know, can you imagine, just for the dietary food laws, already it's taking up so much place in the Bible. If God was to address every single trend that comes, the Bible would be <laughs> so thick, all right, so thick. No, nobody would be able to finish reading the Bible because every year, there are new trends that are coming. There are new uh, fads that are coming. And, and, and we keep wanting to move ahead. But at the same time, we have to be very careful that we obey the law. But what is not written in the Bible doesn't mean you can do everything, right? So just because the Bible doesn't say you cannot smoke, or just because the Bible doesn't say some things explicitly, it doesn't mean that you are free to just do whatever you want at any time you want. Because what is most important, what truly matters, is not about these trends, because these trends may come and go. But what truly matters is that you need to be set apart. So when you look at all these things, you ask yourself, will this cause me to be set apart, or will this make me look like the rest of the world? Okay, I'm not giving an answer for all this, right? I intentionally mixed the question, so some yes, some no. I intentionally mixed it because I want you to understand that is sometimes we, we, we argue over these things and we debate about it and families even fight and quarrel about these things and we split hairs over this thing. But God is saying, don't just go through the minor details and fight over this. Oh, you know, the Bible says can, can, can. We can tattoo, you know. Um, but look at the perspective of does this set you apart from the world? Amen. We need to be set apart from the world. That is the thing that is truly matters most. Not about the little, little fine details, but what it is, is that you need to be set apart. And some of us, you know, we swing both ends. You know, on one end, you'll be like, wow, you know, cannot do any of this. 
You know, I've, I've actually heard of some, 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 some churches, they, they were like, we cannot have piano, you cannot have guitar, you cannot have drums. You know why? Because Bible didn't say. They only use harp and lyre and all that thing. So cannot have all these instruments. So that's a type of, of, of people that feel like, wow, cannot, you know. And so, there are some people even say, like, you know, cannot even use technology, you know, because, you know, it, we, we must not be following the world. So we should not fall into the trap where we become like Pharisees, where we're like, wow, you know, so we're so like, you know, we, we make laws up that are not even there. And you know, the Bible, that's why Jesus actually tells the Pharisees, you don't burden the people with laws and you heap so many laws upon them to the point where they don't know what truly matters. But then at the same time, some of us, we swing on the total opposite end where we're so liberal and we're like, you know, God loves me. I can sin all I want. Never mind. There's grace. So I can wear whatever I want. Even if I, you know, I walk around half naked, it doesn't matter because God sees my heart only. And then we're so liberal and we forget that we stumble people. And sometimes we swing both ends. But God says, keep what is the most important. What matters? Be set apart. And you know, even right up to the New Testament, the Jews were still arguing and they were arguing about like, oh, now it's not just about the type of food. They're like, no, if I go to a party, uh, and then in the party, uh, they serve food I, uh, offered to the, to the idols, uh, can I eat or can I not eat? And then Paul, he gives the best answer. This is what Paul says in 1 Corinthians 10, verse 23 to 24. Maybe every, get everyone to read this, okay? Because I feel this is so important. Everyone, let's read this. 1 Corinthians 10, verse 23 to 24. One, two, three. Everything is permissible, but not everything is beneficial. Everything is permissible, but not everything is edifying. No one should seek his own good, but the good of others. So when you're thinking of pushing the envelope next time, you have to ask yourself, will this stumble others? Does this edify anyone? Before we proceed and, and move that. And when I say stumble, I do not mean like, oh, just because the person, is not un- the person is unhappy and then, oh, they're stumbled. No, no, right? When I say stumble, I mean it, it causes the person to think badly about Jesus. Or it, it causes the person to form a barrier between you so that you can't even share the gospel to them. And you lose your credibility as a Christian. So sometimes we have to be careful. So even though God, you know, God is gracious, God loves us, and yes, if you have sinned and you have done any of those things, but God loves us, it doesn't mean that we need to continue in that sin, okay? So we need to keep our identity set apart. You know, for the Jews, they needed to keep their identity as Jewish people so that when they entered the new promised land, they would keep and retain their Jewishness. But for us as Christians, we need to keep our identity as Christians today and never lose that identity because it is important. And you know, talking about set apart, you know, it's, it's sometimes we think like, oh, you know, uh, as long as I go to church, very good lah, I'm already set apart, very holy, all that thing. And in, for me, I realized that um, sometimes to follow the practices of the world is actually very subtle and it happens quite easily, even without us um, realizing. And during the pandemic, this is where I realized that actually I, I, I'm actually quite common and not set apart. That actually I'm just like every other person. And, and this realization came 
was because, um, you know, when I'm, young, uh, I'm a young mom and I've got two kids and they're growing up, and for me, what they eat really matters. Like, I'm a very chilled mother, but I am quite, you know, particular about, you know, whether they're eating enough, you know. How many of you, you're old uh, and your kids are really old, and the first thing you still ask them, are you eating enough? Oh, you're so skinny, eat more, eat more. You know, like, it's like something, you know, you continuously worry about children, whether they're eating enough. It's just like, I don't know, it's something ingrained in us, right? And, and so I'm very, uh, I'm very particular about whether my children are eating enough and it matters to me. And not just about what they're eating, I'm also very, very, very concerned about their health, especially in this whole pandemic. I'm like, yo, you know, uh, with this whole COVID thing, should I go out? Should I not go out? Should I go to church? Should I bring them to church? Should they go to, you know, to children's church? What if there's COVID? And then now, after, after COVID, then what if they've got hand, foot, mouth disease now that's on rise? And after hand, foot, mouth disease, now got monkey pox? Wow, it's like never ending, right? There's concerns after concerns. And then I'm like, ah, should I bring children to church? You know, and, and I really want to, you know, affirm the, the parents that, that came today, right? I, I know like some people, um, we feel very nervous when we bring our children to church. Um, I'm a parent too, so I understand. Like, we always feel like, wow, when we come and bring the church and then the, the baby cries, you know, and scream and then everyone is looking at us. How many of you, we feel very like, you know, very shy, right? But, but actually, um, I, I believe that when a church has crying babies, it, it actually means the church has people multiplying. It actually means the church is growing. It actually means the church is multiplying. And, and that's always a good thing. You don't want to go to a church where everybody's so old to the point there are no young babies, right? So it's a good thing when we have crying babies in our midst, right? Praise the Lord, because God is a God of generations. And what I love about SIBKL is we're not just focused on one generation, we're focused on a, a whole mass of generations. And that's what I love about SIBKL. Nobody ever says SIBKL is a young church or old church. We love all generations. And that's what's great. And I just want to affirm all the parents that bought their, their kids, if your kid is struggling and squirming in their seats, it's okay. Uh, I will try to end quickly. But do you know that parents that come to church, do you know, um, they go through all these concerns and, and, they, and there's so many things they have to pack, right? They have to pack like milk, la, diapers, la, extra clothes, la, all these. Every time they come, it's like, it's a hassle to bring their children. But you know what? God sees that sacrifice. But beyond God seeing that sacrifice, you are actually telling the world or you're telling your children that church matters. That church matters. That you are willing to go through the jam, go to the crowded lift with your baby and your children and lock all of them there because church matters. And that's why you have brought them here today. So I just want to applaud parents that have brought their children and who are continuing to bring their children. Praise the Lord. But not just parents, even people, you know, that, that may be a little older and there are risk factors for, for COVID, but they're here today because, yes, physical health is important. But at the same time, they also know that spiritual health is also important. And you know, for me, why I, fed, why I said at the beginning that I realized that I was actually very common was because I realized that during the pandemic, I was just very concerned about this online school, whether it's bad for their eyes. Uh, I'm concerned about whether, you know, they're eating well. I'm concerned about COVID. But actually, I, I had very little, little thought about what does it mean if my children do not experience church. I spend more time fixated about what they eat physically than what I feed them spiritually. Sometimes 
we're quite fixated on what we eat. Some of us will travel all the way to another state just to eat something. Nothing wrong with that, okay? Because if you're a foodie, that's fine. Because I love food too. But how much time do we actually spend on thinking about what we feed ourselves spiritually? And a lot of us, we care about our physical health. We care, you know? But do we care about our spiritual health as well? Does it matter to us? And it was during this pandemic, I realized that, wow, you know, actually I, I didn't give much thought to all these things. And I realized that I'm just like the rest of the parents in this world. There's almost no difference of whether I'm a Christian or not because all, all parents also go through the same concern. There was nothing that was set apart. And I realized that it's so easy for us to think about holiness as just like all the Christian things that we have to do. But what about the daily life? How about when we parent? How about when we are a spouse to someone, married to someone? How do you treat your spouse? All those things, it tells us what we truly believe, what matters, right? Are we, do we really believe that it matters to be set apart for God? And if we do believe that, you know, that we want to be set apart, then we need to set apart time for God. Do you know they say time is one of the most precious commodity? Everyone agree with me? Time, time is the most precious commodity, right? You, you know, some people, I'll give you money, I'll give you money, just don't, don't take my time because time is precious for a lot of us. If time really is precious, then what about setting apart time for God if you really think that God truly matters in your life? Do you know, I, I was just calculating, there's about 168 hours a week, and I was thinking, okay lah, if I go to church, uh, that's about two to three hours, and, and if I go to sell or I serve in ministry, that's another two to three hours, and then I calculated, if I spend the amount of time uh, in church and, and going to sell, it's actually only like 2% of my life, 2% of my week time. And I was like, oh, actually I spend very little time thinking about God, right? And and I, I think maybe that's why um, the Jews, I, I, don't, don't quote me on this because it's not in the Bible, but you know, the Jews, they, they always have the Sabbath. And for them, the Sabbath is a day that they set apart holy to the Lord. And I was calculating, when I was calculating, I was like, you know, if you calculate it one whole day minus seven or eight hours of sleep, it's actually 10%. So the Jews actually tithe the time to God. You know, we all think about tithing, we think about money, I got to tithe my money, I got to tithe this. Have we ever thought about tithing our time to God? If you say God truly matters, and if you say that you want to be set apart for God, how about setting apart time, 10% of your time in a week to God? And it's not just about going to church. You can set apart your time to God by reading the Bible, praying, you know, and then you, maybe you go home and calculate. You say, how much time huh, do I actually give God actually a day? And then you ask yourself, am I, am I really setting apart what's important to me for God? So what truly matters? Why does it matter? Why do you think we need to be set apart? You know, God actually gave the why from the very beginning. You know, he gives two things. He says, because you are children of the Lord your God and because you are a treasured possession. You are chosen to be His treasured possession. 
He says you need to be set apart because of these two things. Deuteronomy 14 verse 4, 1, you are the children of the Lord your God. Now, you know children always represent their parents. Whether you're from the Lian clan, the Ling clan, the Li clan, the Tan clan, you know, when you think of your children, they represent you, right? So your child may not look like you, you know, like for when a baby first come up, people are like, oh, look like the father or look like the mother. That's important, but it's not as important as how the child will represent you one day, right? And a lot of us, our children represent who we are. And if you are a child of God, you are representing God. Wow, that's like a big, tall ordeal. You, you know, a big, tall um, uh, uh, something that you, you have to represent the God. And do you know that Jesus, the Son of God, is also representing the Father. That's why in Hebrews 1 verse 3, he says, the Son is the radiance of God's glory and the exact representation of His being. You know, we can't see God, the Father. We know that He's good. We know that He's loving. We know that He's merciful. We can't see Him. But we know that He is God of love because of Jesus Christ. When we see Jesus love the poor, when we see Jesus talk to the lepers, talk to the, the sick, talk to the women, when we see Jesus be kind, compassionate, and merciful, then we see the Father. And we know that our Father is all that. And for us, as children of God, in fact, this is one of the first few times that, um, that God actually addresses the children of Israel as children of God. Till today, all of us are children of God. You can't run, okay? You are all children of God. Whatever you do, you may say, you know, it doesn't matter. God sees my heart. But you know that people outside, they watch you and you tell them who your God is. Even if you don't say anything, your behavior, your actions, tell them who God is. And it's so important. That's why for us to carry ourselves, right? Because we reflect who God is. How many of you have heard pre-believers actually say, you know what, I don't want to be Christian uh, because uh, you Christians uh, are very dot, dot, dot. You fill in the blanks. And we stumble people because of our attitudes, our behavior. And, and, and so God tells us, when you want to be set apart, it's not because you want to follow a set of rules, but because you carry the identity of a child of God and the people are watching. Amen. What else? He also tells us, you know, nowadays when you hear God saying something good, uh, like, you are the children of God, ah, it sounds so good. But at the same time, wow, heavy responsibility. Now he tells you, oh, you are chosen to be a treasured possession. And you're like, wow, what does it mean for us that now that I'm a chosen treasured possession? You know, chosen treasured possession means something that is special, something that is luabiasa, something that is great. You know, you know when I chose to marry my husband? I chose him because he's special, because he's not like any other guy, right? If he was like any other guy, he wouldn't be special, I wouldn't marry him, right? And so we choose something special. And God says, I've chosen you. So if you're chosen and special, don't be like the rest of the world and do like what the rest of the world. We always say, oh, that's what the world is doing. Don't be like the rest of the world. You are chosen, you are special, and therefore you have to carry the special part in you and not let it go, not lose it to the world and just be like the world because you are special. And you know, when, when God says you are special and you are His chosen, 
You are your treasured possession. You know, nobody ever throws away a treasured possession. You will preserve it. You will take care of it. You will ensure that forever that it's there. And that's why I believe God actually used these verses to say to the children of Israel. He gives them a whole list of laws and He goes, because you are my treasured possession. Because He's trying to preserve them. Do you know that the laws that they have, all that, you know, nobody really understands why um, the food laws, why, why all these things. I believe it's because God wants to preserve them. You see, for food, for us, you know, for food, it's just like makan lah, what you eat and drink. But for the Jews, food represents more than just eating and drinking. Food represents relationship with one another. Because for them, mealtimes is very important. It's very communal, you know. So for the Jews, food represents relationship with one another. So imagine if the Jewish people at that time, after they went into the promised land, and there are tons of pagan nations, and then they were to intermingle and eat whatever they want, eat together and, and, and you know, just be a part of them. Can you imagine? Maybe they would be corrupted. It would be so easy for them to fall into idolatry. And so God had to preserve the Jews. Why does He have to preserve the Jews? Because out of the children of Israel, the Jews, comes the Messiah. Amen? The Messiah came from this group of Jewish people. And you know, the Jewish people, you know, they really are a miracle. Do you know how many times they've been exiled? How many times they've gone, you know, they've gone through, they've, they've, they've lost their land, they've went through the Holocaust. How many of us know that when you go overseas and you migrate, your children lose all their culture? The next day, you know, when you, if you migrate, your children probably even lose their mother tongue. They probably can't even speak anymore. And it's so easy to lose your culture. It is so easy to, to adopt the practices of the place that you live in. Can you imagine the Jews? How many times they've been to different, different lands and yet still, till this very day, they maintain all their laws. Do you know that if you go to Israel today, when they say it's Sabbath, it's really Sabbath, everything closes down. Literally, they don't do anything. They don't even press elevator button, right? They're like, really, it's a holy day to God. And you know, it, it's because God needed to preserve the Jews at that time. And just to just let you know, God also wants to preserve us as Christians. Do you know how important our faith is? If your faith is a little watered down now, can you imagine your children's faith? It'll be even more watered down. And by the time you reach your great-great-great-great-grandchildren, their faith will be so watered down that it may not even look like Christianity anymore. That is why it's so important to keep our faith to keep the main thing main, to be set apart, not like the rest of the world. And I believe that God has a special heart and, 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 and even the people in Malaysia are also a treasured possession. Why do I say that? Do you know that once upon a time in Malaysia, we actually had a group of people that were actually at the brink of extinction? I kid you not, okay? This is true facts. In 1930s, there was a group of people called the Lunbawans. They are in Sarawak, okay? There were only 3,500 of them left because they had a very um, paganistic lifestyle. They were always drinking. They were drunk with alcohol to the point where the book that, that describes them is called Drunk Before Dawn because they were drunk perpetually. And it is said that 100 out of 365 days, they were drunk. They were so drunk and they were having all these funny uh, lifestyles to the point that the Raja Brook, 
um, who was uh, at that time reigning, actually said, you know what? These people are a lost cause. They're going to perish. That's, that's the end of them. Can you imagine 3,500 people only in the entire world left of Lumbawans? We will lose that tribe of people, that people group. 3,500, you know, SIBKL is even bigger than 3,500. And, and yet, God preserved them because God sent three missionaries, three missionaries under the banner of Borneo Evangelical Mission. Three missionaries from Australia, Melbourne, flew to Borneo in Sarawak and they, they brought the gospel. They brought the gospel of Jesus to these people. And you know, when they brought the gospel of Jesus their lifestyle change. Remember I told you that Christianity being set apart is not just a belief system, but it went to their lifestyle. The entire lifestyle of the Lubawans changed. They gave up alcohol, you know, they stopped chewing uh, this betel nut thing which is causing them to have cancer and all these things and their whole lifestyle just changed because of the glory of Jesus introduced to their life. They came from darkness into light. And do you know the good news is... That after that, in 1984, Malaysia actually has two revivals that is recorded worldwide. Two recognized revivals, and one of them happened in 1984 in Bakalalan. Bakalalan is the land of the Lumbawangs. And with this revival, you know, Borneo Evangelical Mission, the name for Borneo Evangelical Mission today is actually SIB. So that's how SIBKL started. You know, all of us were like, you come to SIB, did you know that we started in Borneo? And that because a whole people group was saved, and today you have Lumbawangs. And, and today, some of them are serving with us. We have Lumbawangs in the church. Amen? Amen. Because God loves Malaysia. And so when the gospel of Jesus comes, it doesn't just, you know, it's not just a belief system, but it goes through the entire lifestyle. Amen? Amen. Finally, you know, brothers and sisters, my third point, how can I live a life that matters? So I'm going to sum it up just here. So whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. Everything you do, whatever you do, do it for the glory of God. And let me just tell you a personal story and then I'll end. Um, so my parents, uh, they received Jesus in 2020, in the year where there was pandemic, okay? And uh, uh, you know, we've been praying a long time for my parents and I'm so glad they're here with us today. I'm not gonna point them up, but they're here with me today. And um, they're here with me today and, and, and I want to even credit someone who I feel um, really helped um, their journey. And that's my Aunt Linda, okay? Aunt Linda, uh, she's here as well, but I'm not going to point her out. She was um, actually uh, someone who would always, during the pandemic, send them online links of SIBKL. She would encourage them to come, etc., etc., you know? And, and you know, for, for the, the problem with online church, you know, online church is great because it means that, you know, even if you have COVID, you're sick and everything, you can still tune in and not miss church, right? And, and online church is great because it means that, you know, you can be anywhere a part of the world, you can still attend church. But there is some drawbacks with online, which is one of the things, if, if you're a young Christian and you're online, 
all you know Christianity is through a screen. And, and, and sometimes when you, when you, a, a young Christian comes, it's, it's very difficult to kind of encourage them to go to service because you send them an online link and then you're not sure if they watch or not, right? So it's, it's difficult to, to track and help them in their growth as a young Christian. But this is where I, Linda, you know, so there was one day uh, my mom uh, was telling Aunt Linda, you know, uh, this weekend, uh, let's go to this place uh, for holiday and everything. And you know what Aunt Linda said? She said, yes, you know, I, I've been going for online church and everything, but you know, I feel uh, now uh, uh, I want to start setting aside my time to come to church every weekend on site. I'm just going to set my time so that I can come to church. And I remember the first thing my mother said, Wow, this Ai Linda is so holy. Uh. See, even young Christian can say so holy, she say like that. And I was like, mm, yeah, uh, it's not about holy. And I was like, okay, I stopped staying. And then after that, I realized something. You know, for Aunt Linda, it wasn't a big thing that she did, right? She just told my mom that, you know, um, I, I want to come to church because it matters to me. But do you know, it speaks volume to a young Christian. For a young Christian, right, they go church, don't go church. It, it, they don't really understand the concept of going to church. But because of Aunt Linda preparing to set apart her time to come to church, my parents now see, oh, you know, that's what Christians do. They come to church. They make it regular because it's a time carved out for the Lord. And so, amen. Sometimes without realizing, by just deciding on your end to set apart, you actually touch another person's life without realizing. So sometimes we think we need to do big things to, to evangelize to others. But sometimes it's just as simple as be set apart. And when you consider church important, other people, young Christians that see you will say, yeah, you know, church is important. It matters. And, and I'm so glad that here today because now, you know, they get to worship together as a family of Christ. Do you know, I've been praying for my family and it means so much to me, you know, because we're a family. We're not just a family, you know, because of biology or DNA, but we are a family and we get to worship God together in the family of God because one day, the family of God in heaven, we will also get to worship together. So it matters. It matters that we worship God together as a family. So what truly matters and how can we live a life that matters? Set apart your life for God. And when you set apart your life for God, you will find that you will touch someone near you. Can I just call the musicians up? Do you know, we need to set apart. We need to set apart our lives. And I just want you to even worship God. Worship together with us. Just think, what are some of the practices that I, I have these days that feels like I'm no longer setting God as my priority in my life? What are some of the things that has hindered us from giving ourselves fully to being set apart from God. God delights for His children, His treasured possession, to come together to worship Him. Hallelujah. Amen. Let us now even rise. I'm just going to get everyone to rise. Just rise. And I want you to say a prayer in your heart. I'm not going to call anyone for it. I just want you to say a prayer in your heart so that you can tell God that you want to be set apart and you want to live a life that matters. Do you know when physical church started, 
the leadership was like, yeah, we want everybody to come back. But at the same time, we're a little nervous because we don't have enough volunteers. Do you know to get a church to start, you need someone to handle the lights, the, the, the worship leaders, you need more worship musicians, you need people to usher, you need more traffic. And then people always ask, when will the children ministry start? When will the children ministry start? We say, when we have enough volunteers. Brothers and sisters, if you want to live a life that matters, the Bible says in, in, this, in this verse, it says, let us not give up meeting like some are in the habit of doing. Right? But it says, let us spur one another toward love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together. As, it's as if God knows in the future, one day we will want to give up meeting together. And he says, spur one another, encourage one another towards love and good deeds. How can we encourage one another? Don't just encourage one another with words, that's important, but encourage one another in action. And how can we do that? You can do that by coming to church, serving the people of God, serving the family of God. Don't you want your family members all to be here? You know, we, we read it. As for me and my household, we will serve the Lord. We want to see young people serve the Lord, old people serve the Lord, children serving the Lord, everybody serving the Lord and coming to church together to serve the Lord. Amen. Let us just now quieten our hearts and say, Lord, I want to be holy. Not just holy in, in a religious way, but holy in all my actions, in all my thoughts, and in all my words. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, Father Lord. You are holy. Lord Jesus, you are holy from every single thing. From the time you came down to earth, all the way to the walk to the cross, and even when you hung on the cross, you are still holy. You're still set apart. You're different. And you're special. And we want to be like you, Jesus. We want to be holy, set apart in our every single aspect of our life. Because that is what truly matters, to be set apart. And it matters because we are your children and because we are your treasured possession. And we want to live a life that matters. So we want to be set apart and we want to touch another life so that they can be set apart for your glory as well. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Now separate us now with the love of the Father, the grace of our Son, Jesus, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit. Till we meet again next week, God bless. Meeting is over. Hallelujah. Amen.